want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. In all of our doing good, we cannot forget to follow the instructions that God has given us. Even though we may have good intentions, we have to remember that obedience to God is better than sacrifice. Let's tune in. They have seen God move on their behalf multiple times, and yet they still don't want to follow God. They've seen pillars of fire in the night. They've seen pillars of smoke in the day. They've been guided by God. They've seen God move, but yet they still don't want to submit to him. So they see the other nations in the lands that they're supposed to inherit, and they see all the other nations with kings, and they say, you know what? We want a king just like they have a king. We want somebody to govern us and to tell us what to do. Like, bro, it's God. Like, what do you mean you need somebody to tell you what to do? So they ask for a king. God knows. He's like, look. He's telling his man Samuel. That's who the book is named after. Telling his man Samuel. He's like, look, man. They don't want to listen. But I'm going to give him a king. So Samuel tells the people, like, hey, look. Y'all weren't supposed to have a king, but listen. If you want things to be right, this king is going to have to follow what God says. The second that he falls short is the second that he's messed up. We're giving you guys something that you shouldn't have ever had. So they find this this guy named Saul, the Benjamite. And let me tell you, when Saul didn't have the characteristics of a king, he wasn't qualified to be a king, but God still gave him the opportunity. He still gave him the authority of being king over Israel, to lead his people out of bondage from the Philistines. So Saul is doing stupid stuff. Saul is making bad decisions. Saul is making stuff on his behalf, and he's putting God's name on it. So let's read from verse 10. And this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, And has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went down. Ooh, I need glasses. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle out here? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord, then the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely, completely destroy the sinners. I'm going to read that again. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? 
Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions in the Lord's command. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Look at your neighbor and say, there's purpose in position. Look at the other neighbor that you neglected and say there's purpose in position. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, God, that I've been given this opportunity to bring forth your word, Lord. God, I pray that John J.R. gets out the way and your spirit reigns true in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget October 18th, 2010. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school playing football for Vanden High. V high, V high. That's fine. I'll be by myself. Whatever. And so we're playing, uh, I don't know if it was our first or second league game. And did anybody go to Bethel High? Good. We don't have to have an extra long altar call today. So we're playing against Bethel High, right? Really close game. And we get to the end of the game. It's 28 to 30. Last couple minutes of the game. I'm on defense, you know, team co-captain, defensive end, you know what I'm saying? I'm a tackling machine, tackling machine. So I'm not going to go over the intricacies of football and the type of defense that we ran, but let me tell you guys about this particular time that I never will forget for the rest of my life. It's the last 30 seconds. They're on our 40-yard line. You don't have to watch football for a long time to know they're going to pass the ball. I'm down in my stance, getting ready to rush the quarterback. Mind you, Bethel doesn't pass the ball for nothing. I went back. I'm so upset about the situation. I went back on Max Preps and looked up the stats. He passed the ball four times the whole game. Completed three passes. Exactly. And so we're in this situation. I'm down in my position. And who do I see next to me? The free safety is next to me. So for those of you that don't watch football and trying to figure out, well, who's the free safety? You guys ever watch football and see those guys that stand kind of like 15 to 30 yards back that are ready to cover the ball? In that situation, he decided to come up and act like he was blitzing next to me. Know the situation. They're going to pass the ball. You defend passes. I'm the tackling machine. So they snapped the ball. I swear the moment happened in slow motion. I didn't even rush the quarterback. He, he snaps the ball. I made contact with the tackle. Quarterback takes two steps. Touchdown. Jaguars. 
game over. Score 33 to 30, Bethel wins the game. Oh my gosh, what just happened? All the seniors are looking at each other like, I don't know what we can do. I don't know what we can do. We've been practicing. We do these little speeches, the little Ray Lewis speeches at the beginning of the game, try to hype people up, and nothing's working. What's going on? If he would have been in position, if he would have been where he was commanded to be, if he would have even recognized the situation and stood where he was supposed to be at, Maybe, I don't know if he would have stopped the, stopped the uh, receiver, but just maybe he would have had a better chance of being successful. Just like how many of us, just like Saul, we, we, we look at the situation and decide to take it on our own will and our own authority to do what we want in the situation. Out of position. Out of the place that we are put to be. Making decisions for our lives that we have no business making. Marrying people because it's popular. Taking jobs because it pays a little more money. You're making decisions out of your authority. Perhaps purpose in our lives, perhaps our purpose in our lives is less about what our title is and where we are financially and more so how we respond to the will of God. It's less about, you know, being a youth director, you hear a lot of youth pastors and youth directors preach to their kids about purpose. And I think one of the misconceptions is when you, when you receive that word, you're thinking like, man, what is my purpose? And you're thinking to yourself like, man, am I supposed to be a doctor? Am I supposed to be a musician? Maybe I'm supposed to be a police officer. Maybe I'm supposed to be a graphic designer. Maybe I'm supposed to be a construction worker. And we put our purpose in things that, that, that fade. We put our purpose in things that are earthly. We put our purpose in things that, that, that won't last. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 it says, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. He put it in our heart to search for our purpose. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to look for the things that fulfill us. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, grasp what God has done. His overall plan from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good as long as they live. And also that every man should eat and drink and see and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift from God. Here's the key verse. I know whatever God does, it endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor, any, nor can anything be taken away from it. For God does it so that men will fear and worship him with all filled reverence, knowing that he is God. He does what he does so that we worship him. He gives us purpose so that we worship him. He puts us in these positions so that we worship him. I, I, I'm, I'm tying, I'm, I, I get in this position where a lot of times I personify God and I try to say what God, is, what God does is good and what's bad. I've had a question from one of our youth that asked me, man, how is God good? How is God good? How can God allow people to be molested? How can God allow people to get murdered? How can God allow all this bad stuff to happen? What kind of God is that? And I was shocked. I was like, dude, I don't know the answer. I just wanted to bring you to Cold Stone and eat some ice cream. I didn't know we were talking about theology today. But then like so clear, I felt like the spirit had told me. He, I looked at him and I said, well, what is good? 
What is good to you? And who are you to define what good is? You're nowhere near close to good. As many good deeds that you may do, it's not good. Nothing amounts to the goodness of God. Whatever God does endures forever. Whatever he fashions endures forever. Whatever he makes endures forever. My first point, look at your neighbor and say, you better recognize. We have to recognize the authenticity of what God says. God is faithful. And one of our biggest problems is that we associate God's products with other products that we've experienced. Or we slap God's name on something that he had nothing to do with. For the people of Israel, they wanted a king because of how they saw the other nations being governed. Oh, man, they got a king. They're successful. They're conquering. They're doing great things. They they have wealth beyond everything. They're, They're giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. We, we, we want what they have so that we can be successful. When I tell you to stay focused on your path, what does my dad say all the time? Stay in your lane. It's okay if somebody else is successful. Isaiah is a great rapper, dope rapper, but guess what? It's not in my lane to be a rapper. It's not. It's not. I can't rap. I can play drums. Can't rap. When I see something else that is good, when I see something else that I, I perceive to be good for me, I cannot take it and, and assume that it's going to be good for me too. When I see friends that are successful, when I see certain things that they are doing in their marriage, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's for me. Because a lot of times we, 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 we take it in our own authority to, to, to make decisions for our lives. Rather than calling ourselves and calling ourselves planning, we put ourselves in the position of God. Well, you know what? I'm a blessing. You know, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to take care of myself. You know what? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made man. I did this all by myself. I put myself up on my own bootstraps. I did this myself. Just like the other guy. You know, it's cool to be a self-made man. I'm strong. I did this all on my own. And we, we, we look at what somebody else did, and we just want it for ourselves. Or we do what, <laughs> we slap God's name on something that has nothing to do with. Put it up there. Put that phrase up there. The next phrase, hit it. I'm so tired of this phrase. I'm so tired of this phrase. I am so tired of this phrase. You're like, why would you be tired of what God said? Isn't what the Lord said just divine and proper and holy? And Be honest, in school, how many times did you write your mom's name on that detention report before, <laughs> before it got, never, I never did that. I was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost since I was a child. No. There are many times that we'll say God said in order to justify our own ambition. Well, I feel like God is telling me to, I feel like God gave me this relationship. He wants me to be married, right? He said he loves me. I feel like like God would want me to make money for myself. It's just just a couple deals, bro. It's just a couple deals. I'm going to sell this. It'll be cool. I'm not going to do anything else. God wants me to be successful, right? Let me get this money real quick. 
No, God said he wanted me to be uh, a successful, so I bought myself this brand new Mercedes Benz with a 21% interest and a $900 a month car payment. God said he wanted the best for me. Well, I'm going to get the best. A lot of times what we want, our ambition gets in front of what God commanded us to do. All in all, I've come to realize that when we rely on our own understanding and strength, that what we attempt to handle, what we attempt to handle is a God-sized task with man-sized strength. Like, I, I spend some time in the gym a little bit, try to get rid of this tire that's around my waist, <laughs> and... I know that there are certain weights that I can't lift up. There's not. There's certain weights that I need assistance with. Actually, there's many weights that I need assistance with. A couple weeks ago, we were working out at my dad's house, and we were doing bench press. I hate bench press, just to let you guys know. I hate it. I'd much rather do deadlifts or squats or something. But we were doing really lightweight. And, of course, my dad and Donald are standing on both sides as I'm bench pressing, right? Watch your form. Why are your elbows out like that? Why are you gripping the bar like that? What are you doing? I'm like, it's 135. Relax. It's a plate. I got this. Not realizing that they're trying to make sure I don't hurt myself, even with the lightweight, even with the weight that I think that I can handle. Same way that we handle our lives. We think that certain things are lightweights in our lives is an everyday experience that we've created to be a habit. And we're like, you know what? I got this, God. Don't worry about this. I'll, I'll, when I go into debt, then I'll pray. When, when, when I need your help in my marriage, then I'll pray, God. Then I'll come running to church. I'll come to church when I need it. I'll come to church when I'm stressed. I'll submit to your authority when I need it. We always need it. This is not a want or need situation. Once you recognize the need in your life, once you recognize the necessity of God's spirit in your life, then you'll begin to want it. I'm chasing after God. This is not a thing of me saying, oh, well, I guess I'll go to church on Sundays and Thursdays. You know, I might as well. This is an everyday experience. This is not a social club. This is not a thing for you to get connected to so that when you're in need that you can ask. Of course you have that at the church. We're family. But it's more than that. It's more than just, than just a, 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 some type of church or nonprofit organization. This is the place where we can build God in our lives. This is the place where we can mature in our lives. This is the place where, you know what, I can get a better outlook on life. So that when I walk back out there, when I walk back to hell at my home, hell in my household, hell at my job, I know how to handle it. Because God has the authority over everything that I do. Because God has the strength over everything that I do. Because God has set the, the footsteps before me. God is the, is the light to my path. God is the light in the darkness. God has me. Whatever he says, it endures. So when he says he has purpose for me, when he says that I need to rely on his strength, when he says that I need to decrease so that he can increase, I have to trust that his word is true. And not take it on my own authority. Amen. Just like Saul was saying, Saul kind of did things in his own way to get glory for himself. It read in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22, it said, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? 
Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Can I stop right there real quick? That term, offering the fat of rams, means that it required some work to get the ram fat, right? You had to feed the ram to make it fat. It usually was the best that they could have to, they had to offer in their own eyes. So rather than Saul being obedient, he took it in his own purpose to level what is good and then give it to God. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So, so because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. For I was afraid of what the people, I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I'll never forget, there, there are stories I heard of my, my grandpa Butcher, where like back in the day, and he even did this when I was like a little kid, my grandma would send him to the store, and my grandma would say, hey, I need you to get me three carnation cans, sweet milk, and he'd come back with like half and half. <laughs> I'm over-exaggerating, but you get what I'm saying, like, hey, I need you to go to the store and get me two gallons of vitamin D milk. And he comes back with like two gallons of fat-free milk. And I can see it on, I can see his face now like my grandma getting on his head. And then like him just going. But I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I went to the store and got the milk. What more do you want me to do? Him following the instructions was more important than him going to the store and getting the milk. And one of the most important things I want you guys to realize is you can't allow people to have effect on your God-given purpose. Unfortunately, not everyone has a, a true godly outlook on life. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and, and seek godly advice. I'm not saying that you should go and not seek guidance. But if, you, if, if what the guidance that people are giving you doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not for you. I've had family members before I got married Ask me, how do you know what you want? What are you asking? I mean, how do you know what you want? And they're Christians asking me. I don't want to beat around the bush. They're asking me, how do I know what I want? How, haven't you sold your royal oats yet? Like, th th that's the kind of question that they were giving me. Like, I thought you were a child of God. How are you going to give me this worldly advice? And it can, it can be so, what I've experienced in my life is that there have been times where I've gone to people that I trusted, that I knew had my best interest at heart, that I knew that loved me, and they tried their best to give me the best advice that they could give, but the problem with that is that it was mixed with fear. It was mixed with doubt. It was, it was mixed with all kinds of things. I know for me... This past year, I made the decision to go full-time in ministry. Very scary experience. I'm building a family. I have a child. I have a wife. I have rent. I have rent, too, just so you guys know. We have rent, too. And to make this decision, to walk away from a job that was paying me really well, A1 benefits, to walk away, I, I was doubting. I was like, God, man, I, I just need some confirmation that this is the right thing to do. Is this you or is this just me 
looking at a cool opportunity. So I went for advice. I asked people, I'm like, hey, man, I'm going full-time ministry. What do you think? How much are you getting paid? It's like, I got this much. How much are you going to get paid? Not the same. They're like, I don't know, bro. You might as well stick with that job, bro. I was like, man, maybe I should. But in that situation, I had to learn how to build faith for myself. You can't allow your relationship with God to be proxied through somebody else. You can't allow your relationship with God to be based on somebody else. So for those of you that have been led to church, a lot of people have came to the Building Christian Fellowship through people by word of mouth. If for whatever reason that person offends you, don't stop coming to church. If for whatever reason that person is, is, is somebody that you hold dearly, if it's me, let me use me as an example. If I offend you, don't associate my bad behavior with God. Yes, I make mistakes too. Yes, I do stupid stuff. Yes, I offend people. I'm a person. I do these things. I'm not in the place of Jesus. I'm not in the place of God. I'm just like you. I am just like you. But I'm doing my best to be obedient. We can't associate God's authority with, with, with man. When man falls short, we can't just like, you know what, man? I knew church was all the same. Let me get up out of here. Man, I knew these church people were stuck up, man. I knew they were going to judge me. Man, there are three things that we can do to live a purpose-filled life that will help us reverence God. That first thing is magnifying God. In Psalms chapter 34, it reads, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. It starts off with magnifying God. Anybody know what the word magnify means? Anybody ever taken a science class before? When you look at something small to learn more about it, what do you do? You magnify it. You put it under a magnifying glass. You put it under, I uh, almost called it a stethoscope, microscope. <laughs> you put it under a microscope. You, you bring it closer. You bring it into focus so that you can learn more and more about that particular object. When you magnify God, you bring him close. You give him the opportunity to come close so that you can learn more and more about him. How do we do that in a practical sense? Well, you're starting off perfectly fine now. Coming to church, serving, getting involved. Not just coming to church, but becoming the church. That means allowing yourself to allow the spirit of the living God to dwell inside of you. Same way like we have this building. This building was set up so that we could dwell inside this building and give God praises in this building. We are the very structure of the spirit of God. My next point is seek God. Psalm chapter 34, from verse 4, it says, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. In this particular passage, David is telling us what he did so that we can follow suit. He said that I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, saying that when he went out to seek God, God fulfilled what he had asked. He freed him from all his fears. 
Those who look from help will be responded with joy. Last point is he answers, and I'm coming to a close. Psalm chapter 34 from verse 7 says, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord for you, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all that they need. God answers. God answers. God always answers. And a lot of times that could be answered with silence. God, God, I I need your help. I, I need your help. I need you to get me out of this situation. God, God, I, I, I just want to be able to do this. God, if you just, please, just get me out of this one more time. No. You got to go through the process. Just like he did. Jesus had to go through a process. Jesus had to walk this earth. Jesus had to go through the pain of crucifixion. Jesus had to come back from the dead so that we could be redeemed. You know, I look, I look at my life, and I think about the good, the bad, the, the, the bad decisions that I made, all the stuff, all the times that I've fallen short, and I wouldn't take back any of it, only because it made me into the man that I am. There was a point in time in my life where, for a year, I left the Building Christian Fellowship. And I came back. Do I regret that year? No. During that year, I was able to build my faith. There were times in my life where I wasn't the best husband. I fell short as a man. Do I think I made stupid decisions? Heck yeah. Do I regret it? No. Because God taught me through that situation. Romans chapter 8 verses 28 reads, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Coming to the realization in my life, being about to be 25 in two weeks, and the fact that I'm finally figuring out what my purpose is, It's not in preaching, it's not in being a youth director, but it's the fact that I get the opportunity to be obedient to God. Through my mess-ups, through my mistakes, through my shortcomings, God still gave me the chance to be obedient to him. When I deserve death, when I deserve hell, when I deserve damnation, God gave me life. God gave me love. God gave me hope. It said, for those who are called according to his purpose... I know that all the mistakes in my life, all the shortcomings that I've had, all the decisions where I decided to take the authority of God in my life, he allowed it to work for my good. He allowed it to build me up. He allowed me to be a better man. He allowed me to be a better father. Just recently, I had a baby six months ago. I thought that that was what's going to fulfill my purpose. Like, yeah, maybe I'm supposed to be a dad. God was like, not even that. When I got married, I was just like, you know what? Maybe... I'm supposed to be a good husband, like, nah, God. He's like, God's like, nah, not even that. I need you to be a good son. 
I need you to be obedient to me. Then all these other things will work to your good. Submit to me, and I'll add the things that you need. Submit unto me, and then I'll add the things that, that, that you're looking for. You think you're looking for fulfillment in relationships? No, you're looking for me. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.